You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America. Fox News, objective to the point. News that you can use while you snooze. Welcome to this week's Signs of the Times podcast. This week, for a change, it's just myself, Joe, Henry, and Scott. The old school crew. And we're going to be discussing various uh, subjects uh, that have cropped up in the news of late. Um, so sit back, grab a smoke. If you don't smoke, start. Uh, have a coffee. Wine. We're back with more obscure references, dodgy analysis, <laughs> and wild speculation. The kind of stuff that you all love. To you feed your paranoia. Feed your paranoia and push you over the edge. It's all a conspiracy, as you know, or you think it is. Unfortunately, it is a conspiracy. So, I mean, take Doug Thompson, please. Take him away. <laughs> no, the Doug Thompson thing is um, is very interesting because Doug is just one more of uh, what has become a. A, a growing list of, of alleged alleged nine eleven slash kind of alternative news pundits who has recently uh, done a kind of about face has has decided that um, you well, know, he never was supporting these nebulous and completely unverifiable conspiracy theories that I, mean, I know of. He was he was very anti Bush. But he was never uh, in the uh, Bush did it camp or the the idea that nine eleven was an inside job. Well, the people just assumed that he that he was because of his kind of outspoken because of his sharp analysis in other areas. One would police expect. state and uh, growing yeah. fascism, etc. But because folks, if you don't understand, I mean, if you can see what's happening in the U.S., if you can see the loss of freedoms, if you can see the growing police state, and you still can't make the connection about nine eleven. There's a serious problem. Yes. As we were just commenting earlier on today among ourselves, it's really not believable for anyone like Doug Thompson who has shown a capability to you know, critically analyze uh, events, political events uh, and world events, and then somehow try to claim that he doesn't or he can't grasp the idea that you know, the government the U.S. government or, or any government would engage in some any kind of a, a, a conspiracy or any kind of an attack on its own people or on itself, like 9-11. I mean, not only does it tie in very well with Doug Thompson, for example, his analysis of, of the nature of government, I mean, that ties in very, very quickly and very easily with the idea that uh, a government would, you know, carry an attack, a false flag attack on its own people um, to pursue or to further some political, political aim. But there's also a long... Uh, line of uh, of events, uh, factual events from history that show, have shown that the governments all around the world have engaged in this kind of uh, of, of um, deceitful mm-hmm. kind of uh, political manoeuvrings and agendas, which include, um, you know, at- attacking themselves mm-hmm. and blaming some phony enemy. So, I mean, as we were saying, it's it's uh, people like that essentially almost 
automatically. Maybe they can be given some leeway, but very quickly they have to be written off as essentially either you know in the pay of someone or having an, ulteri- an ulterior motive or an agenda. Well, certainly they are incapable of seeing reality as it is without those emotional filters that come in, that come from that basic idea that is so deeply rooted in many Americans that, oh, well, my my president wouldn't do that or my government wouldn't do that, but we know from history that they do and they have repeatedly. They lie, they kill, they do what they need to to maintain their power and and to accumulate more and more. Exactly. There was another liberal blogger, Tom Engelhart, who, again, somebody who can write with great insight into what's going on, but again, somebody who doesn't buy into any of the so-called conspiracy theories about 9-11. I mean, we come back to the fact that the government's official story is a conspiracy theory, a conspiracy that some guy in a cave halfway around the world organized this with a handful of crazy Muslim fanatics who infiltrated in the United States and somehow got the entire North American defense system to stand down that day. That's a pretty good conspiracy. But nobody denounces the government for having a conspiracy theory. Tom Inklehart wrote a piece recently, and he was talking about 9-11, and he was talking about how this small group of people had been able to, for him it was al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, had been able to carry this thing off. And it was amazing that this small group of people had been able to carry this this tremendous uh, attack off. And he said that it was so successful that it even surprised uh, Sheikh Mohammed when he was arrested that he said to to his captors that he was really, really, really surprised. Now, the fact that all these people would be surprised because they had nothing to do with it doesn't enter in, but but you've got these people saying it, and, it, and it's telling you, and, and bin Laden did not take credit for it. The only videotape that he apparently <laughs> supposedly took credit for it is an obvious forgery. And came years after 9-11. Well, there was a tape that was found in Afghanistan as well. Conveniently, it had been left behind in a supposed safe house. That yeah, it was a Fox News reporter. Uh, tracked across Afghanistan for 14 hours in a car to this... A true hero. He was led across Afghanistan by someone, and he, he just stumbled upon this, this shack in the middle of nowhere, and he, he, he entered that, this, this, this mud hut, and lo and behold, what did he find? A smoking gun. It just defies belief, like, like Henry was saying, and like I Tom, think Tom Engelhardt said. I think divine... It inter- well, it could have been the same God that was that that, that led George Bush or, or told George Bush to invade Iraq that 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 led him to it. But um, in fact, it probably was. But we'll not get into that right now. But the um, it really does defy these kind of things defy belief. And um, as, as as Tom Engelhart uh, says, it, it, it's just incredible that that um, that Al Qaeda could have pulled off nine eleven. But uh, no one seems to take that one step further and say, well, if it's so incredible, maybe it's because not true. <laughs> maybe they didn't do it. Maybe it's completely impossible that they did it. But um, it's also that, the f- I mean, it's not just Tom Eng- Engelhardt or people like him who, who say this. Uh, I mean, Tom Engelhardt may have an agenda or may not, but there are millions of people around the world who, you know, ordinary citizens who, who also believe that Al-Qaeda were able to pull off 
and it's that fact in itself is is evidence um, for just how far um, people are from their own government and from uh, it's evidence for a, a, the, the the complete and utter lack of awareness and understanding among people of, of how their government and their function their, their military uh, functions um, because if people knew uh, exactly how all of that worked and and, and all of the the complete kind of uh, control that the, the American government and the American military and the American uh, corporate entities have over everything that happens within America and, and in other countries around the world, um, they would immediately laugh at the idea that a bunch of guys in a cave in Afghanistan could have overcome such a massive um, you know, uh, uh, infrastructure. Um, but they don't. Well, they, they don't know. They think that their government is a very simplistic kind of, you know... Uh, Ordinary kind of uh, organisation that that can be 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 hoodwinked and be be have one put over on it in this way. One thing that comes to mind in what you're saying is, 40 years ago, Che Guevara was in the jungles of Bolivia leading a ragtag band of supposed revolutionaries, and the United States was able to pin him down at that point because of his use of uh, telephones. You know. And that was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, we were recently talking with Jean-Pierre Petit about the development of technology and what we're being told about the development of fighters and that. And, and I suggest people go back and listen to those. But to think that in 40 years, the technology, the surveillance technology of satellites and the like wouldn't be able to pin down Osama bin Laden in whatever cave he's hanging in. It's just preposterous. Oh. It's certainly that, but um, what the, the, the big secret, I suppose, that, that is kept from people, which allows this, this uh, simplistic belief, uh, such as that Al-Qaeda carry out 9-11, uh, that allows beliefs like that to be perpetuated in the minds of, of ordinary people, is the fact that for, for, for centuries, forever maybe, leaders, political leaders, uh, and their militaries that build up around them and, um, and, and the business corporations that build up around them, all get into their positions of power essentially by deceit uh, of one form or another. So the fact is these people, the people that, that have been attacked supposedly, or the, the institutions or the infrastructure or the, the, the organizations that were attacked on 9-11, for example, the American government, the American military, um, these people are, are the, the grand deceivers. These are the people who spend their whole lives and are born into the idea of deceiving other people. So there's very little chance that anybody's going to deceive them, uh, because essentially that's you know I mean it's it's like it's like it's they're like not so innocent at heart that they think that everybody around them is no. acting in good and faith. And certainly not, and they're able to spot a coup attempt, for example, or, or or any kind of a plot against them. They're able to spot these things very quickly and very easily, and and there's just very really very little uh, chance for any. Um, Kind of you know grassroots uh, organizations such as you know Al Qaeda that is fighting for some ideal to 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 put one over or to get the better of major governments or major major institutions that just doesn't especially happen especially when they're funded by them and founded by them and supported by well, them well definitely yeah <laughs> but even when they're not as in the, in the case of many kind of uh, insurgencies if you want to call them that that have occurred around the world as soon as those kind of things if if if, if those kinds of insurgencies or, or grassroots kind of rebellions uh, or or revolts spring up 
if they haven't been actually orchestrated by the by the powers that be, the people in government themselves, um, they're very quickly co-opted uh, because essentially it's, it's like it's like sheep and, and wolves really. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's no way that a sheep is going to uh, outfox, no pun intended, uh, uh, a wolf um, because that's just not in their nature. And um, I mean, for example, the, the various kind of freedom struggles that have gone on around the world uh, over the past century. Um, there's evidence of this when such uh, movements spring up. They are right from the very beginning or very soon after the beginning that they're, they're infiltrated or they're co-opted or they're... Because to a certain extent, um, it's, it's in the interest of the of political organisations and, and, and politicians or military personnel or military leaders to have uh, this kind of a, a, a situation where you have someone to fight against, someone fighting against you, and you can therefore fight against them because that can very quickly be turned to your advantage. So sure, it justifies increased budgets and spending and all the toys of war. Yeah, and it keeps the population distracted as well mm. when when there, uh, you know, when there's when there's some kind of a conflict within their society. Well, you mentioned earlier about the American people and the situation that as long as they can continue going on with the lives that they have, that they aren't going to wake up. I think you came across an interesting article today about the situation in the United States. And it was an article about the fact that somebody who's earning a minimum wage, which would give them about $10,500 a year and working full-time 40 hours a week on a minimum wage would earn in the U.S. about $10,500 a year. And that amount of money is not enough for that person to afford to pay the rent on a one-bedroom apartment anywhere in the U.S. And there, there are millions of people on minimum wage, and that's the stark reality, that they not only can they not afford to feed themselves, they can't, they, they, they can't even afford if all their money would have to go on rent, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't be enough, and they would have nothing left to feed themselves. So this is like... This is why, as, as, as other people have told us, uh, so many people in the U.S. on minimum wage or, or little above it are, um, are having to work you know, many more hours than the standard 40 a week or having to work two jobs or three jobs. And it reminds, Just reminds me of heads that. above yeah. water. And it reminds us of the, uh, of the uh, I think Bush was at a, a few years ago, was at a, some kind of a gathering or a conference or one of these stage-managed kind of uh, questions and answers sessions in a town hall somewhere in America. And uh, uh, Bush was talking about um, the economy, et cetera, and a woman stood up and said, well, you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I think I contribute, you know, I do my share because I work uh, three jobs because I've got I've got kids and uh, I have to feed them and I've got a rent and mortgage to pay and I have to work three jobs to pay that. And, I mean, this was... I don't think this woman was actually, you know, she wasn't... It wasn't a criticism, but... It, it, In very fact, quick, I it, think she was a Republican shill who yeah. had been put up... Well, because obviously the people that are in there yeah. have all been pre-screened. But, it, but it, I think she that was, was the case that backfired the, because it was it was immediately obvious. It was a very searing indictment of Bush and his and his uh, his administration and, and his economic policies. Because you know here you had a woman who had to work three jobs, three different jobs, just to get keep her head above water, as you say. And um, uh, Bush uh, Bush's response was just you know it, it just highlighted what kind of a person he is where he said you know you know isn't that great you know that that's fabulous you know and, he, and then he, he he quipped uh do you get any sleep you know as a joke <laughs> asked this woman did she yeah. get any sleep and she responded uh, no actually i don't really get much sleep because i have to work three jobs probably like you know long hours 
And, uh, I mean, that is the, you know, that's the state of, of, of the American economy, but it's also the state of the American, for some people anyway, of the American mindset. Now, we don't know how many people having in, in, uh, f- who find themselves in, in such kind of financial hardship are still kind of, you know, true patriotic Americans and who, who I mean, are we to believe that men, the millions of people in that situation uh, hold no resentment against their government or the, the policies that the Bush administration has enacted that have caused this kind of a, a massive gap between the... The haves and the have-nots, for example, the... Um, well, we know the polls say that Bush's policies are massively disapproved by 60 or more percent of the American population. Uh-huh. Well, that doesn't seem to do any damage whatsoever to the Bush administration. In in the wonderful democracy that you have there, uh, you have 60-plus per- percent of the people who disapprove the government. And, uh, and he's able to get his judges on the Supreme Court. He's able to get whatever law he wants passed through Congress. And keep going, yeah. And keep going. Which you know, just getting back to the point about the uh, the kind of um, financial hardship that many uh, Americans are in. There's a report today uh, from a major mainstream newspaper um, that uh, gives some figures about uh, the salaries afforded um, to the various kind mm-hmm. of groups of the workers in in, in America. And um, just to cite again, this person on a minimum wage working 40 hours a week earns ten thousand five hundred dollars a year. Uh, compare that to last year. The CEO of Exxon Mobil, the, the oil company, uh, he earned thirteen thousand seven hundred dollars per hour, um, compared to ten thousand five hundred per year for the, the low-paid worker. Uh, that's something like two thousand plus times the the the, the wage, um, and so I mean that, that there's not much it's, it's not much anic- comment you can make on that, but it's anecdotal evidence of the fact, as you said. This divide between the haves and the have-nots is increasing, that the polarization of the society is becoming more and more extreme. Mm-hmm. And at some point, that will have to snap. Mm-hmm. The links between the top and the bottom are going to have to be broken, and what happens then, we don't know. I mean, it's, it's quite but possible. it's going to be ugly. Yeah, it's quite possible that this, you know, it has the the gap between between these uh, the rich and the 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 rich and powerful and the ordinary citizen has, has grown so much. Uh, but the um, the effect of that uh, obviously is from the point of view of con- maintaining power and control, from the, the government maintaining power and control, uh, is that you know when people have to work uh, all their waking hours just to kind of uh, to, to keep their heads above water, um, that doesn't leave much time for you know, uh, critical thinking or, you know, uh, campaigning against your government or any kind of dissent, you know. So it's very useful from that point of view. And, um, yeah. and we have to wonder if, if uh, <laughs> we have to wonder if at some point, feel free to break in any time, Scotty. We have to wonder at, at, uh, if, if at some point the, even even the middle classes in America are going to um, suffer a similar fate if, if there is ever a, a major kind of economic collapse in the U.S. Yeah. because then everybody... Other than the the rich and powerful are in the same boat, mm-hmm. and at that point, there's who knows what happens, you know. Yeah. And regarding the divide between the haves and the have-nots, it's kind of curious because we had an article on the page recently uh, that described how uh, the uh, the number of jobs uh, available in the U.S. the the number of new jobs being created uh, is up, but the the small print of it is that. 
the jobs being created are primarily incredibly low-wage jobs or incredibly high-paying jobs. So basically, if you have like a PhD in biochemistry, for example, you know, or you want to be the CEO of a company, well, you're fine. Uh, or if you want to, you know, mop floors and make minimum wage and not be able to afford a one-bedroom apartment anywhere in the U.S., well, then you're also okay. But as for the middle class, which is uh, the majority of Americans, uh, well, you know, they're they're basically screwed. And and the strange thing about it is that this division between uh, the haves and the have-nots is actually being used by the Bush administration. Uh, because they're saying, well, you know, look, we're, you know, jobs are up, we're creating jobs. And they're using this to justify the fact that, uh, or to justify their their uh, uh, opinion, shall we call it, that the economy is going strong and that there's nothing wrong. And meanwhile, the middle class is kind of looking around at each other going, what the heck's going on? And then they're, you know, the polls are being taken and they're, there's vast disapproval and, and yet nothing changes. And the atomization of society is so complete that somebody can be thinking, oh, well, the newspapers say the economy's doing great, so if I'm having troubles, it must just be me, while the person living next to them and the person living across the street is doing the same thing, and it's being replicated in neighborhood after neighborhood across the country, but everyone is there thinking, well, if the newspapers say things are going well, it, it must just be me. Yeah, and, and uh, the other day there was uh, all the news uh, in, uh, I think it was uh, Yahoo Yahoo News, it was, you know, a, a Reuters collection of articles, I think. All the headlines were how all these corporations are making these, you know, incredible, you know, they all reported their 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 quarterly results, and they were all up. And so, of course, this was like the great news because, you know, the economy's rebounding. And then there were two little articles hidden in there, one of them talking about the consumer price index indicating that uh, things are becoming more expensive, which is obviously a problem if, you know, you're not getting a raise at work and uh, your budget is already stretched to its limits. And the other was about interest rates on, on homes and how uh, mortgage in, uh, mortgage rates, uh, which are now at the highest level since, I think, some, it was J- July of 2002. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, there's all this talk, oh, you know, the housing bubble, it's not real, you know, everything's fine. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that, that, that point about, um, about that perception that's disseminated via the media, you know, of profits for major companies being up uh, because, you know, your ordinary... Uh, you know, minimum wage earner or, 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 you know, person who's just struggling to make ends meet, um, you know, hears that and thinks, well, you know, my country's, you know, the economy's doing good that, and I'm in the economy, so, you know, I'm doing good, you know what I mean? And if um, I can just tough it out a little longer, it's going to trickle down well, to me. Well, I don't even know if, if it's that. It's like, a, it's almost like this cognitive dissonance between the fact that, you know, yeah, you're, you know, you're being told it's true that, you know, certain section of your economy is doing quite well, i.e. the guys who are making 2,000 times as much as you are. But the fact is, you're still struggling to put food on the table, you know, or food on your families, as food as, on your family. as, 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 as George Hallelujah. Bush has said. But you know, and it's 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 just interesting to to kind of speculate as to how long that that can be, how far that can be stretched, you know, uh, how far uh, or how much longer, um, you know, this economic uh, well-being or the perception of economic well-being can actually continue to feed people or make them feel like they're they're in uh, a wealthy country when the when the stark reality is that they're not they're working three jobs to to to, to feed feed themselves and to, and to put a roof over their heads you know and it's it's like we've said in the past you know that um you know we've often kind of thought that you know we talk about the media and the control that the mainstream media exerts over uh, the population uh, of any country really in the west particularly but anywhere in the world and uh, and how much knowledge and awareness and information those people have and we tended to blame this fact of the control of the media 
on the apparent lack of um you know of 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 outcry or of uh, uproar from from the, the the masses of humanity about all the crimes that are being committed on the planet at the minute um, um but it seems that even when people who are relatively well off or who are doing okay or able to maintain their normal lives even when those people are confronted with um the reality of uh, of what's going on, on the planet and that things aren't really that rosy at all and they're getting a lot worse um they they just tend to switch off they're not interested and it's 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 you know it's a it's a bit of a conundrum and a dilemma particularly for us who are looking for people uh who can uh, you know join with us or support us in in in, in what we're doing and lend their lend their energy or their at, at least their support you know because we kind of we would like to see uh a lot more people um um you know reacting in the same way with the same revulsion to the for example the stuff that's going on in Iraq and in Afghanistan and and in Palestine um to react with the same revulsion that, that we do but um they give it cursory attention or cursory uh, notice but then uh, it's back to normal life and sadly it seems talking about the economy that it seems that uh, it'll only be a, a, at the stage where it affects those, such people directly uh, or that something, you know, their lives are changed, their normal lives are no longer tenable, that they will sit up and take notice. But even then, we can't expect them to take notice of the things that they should be taking notice of because they will too, they'll be too distracted with trying to get their normal lives back on track. Mm-hmm. Trying to survive. And you mentioned earlier that the people who are in power know about manipulations and they're able to see it. And they know that when things are pushed to the limit that the people, the ordinary people, are going to get mad. They're going to get angry. They're going to see that they've been hoodwinked and sold a bill of lies. But as foresighted as they are, they are making arrangements for that. Mm. And Dave McGowan, who's got a website called the Center for an Informed America, wrote an excellent article recently that was called it can't happen here. And in there, he's talking about, and he cites a press release that was given out by Halliburton, where essentially Halliburton has been given a five-year, $385 million contract to establish temporary detention and processing capabilities, which, taken out of bureaucrat speak, mean camps, detention camps. And McGowan says... Leading up to it, he says, none of the outrages committed by this administration, either individually or collectively, have awakened you from your slumber. And here he's addressing the American people. So I seriously doubt there's anything that I could reveal here that would provide the necessary wake-up call. Nevertheless, I'll give it my best shot. And then he goes on to talk about detention camps, concentration camps on American soil. And one of the things that's happening is that convicts that people who are in penitentiaries will become essentially slave labor for the American military. He then goes on to raise the issue of the use of private security organizations in Katrina to handle security and to put down all those horrible looters that the press told us were down in New Orleans pillaging those stores to try to get something to eat and says... uh, he proposes the idea that we could end up seeing death squads in the United States. And he says, 
what, death squads, people gone missing in the middle of the night here in America? Why, that's just absurd. Things like that can't happen here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And he goes on and says, that is what you're thinking, isn't it? That is the thought that you always use to comfort yourself as long as you can remain firm in your commitment to the idea that nothing truly bad can happen in the greatest nation on earth, then you can continue to ignore all the evidence to the contrary. Well, part of some of the evidence to the contrary is um, is, is, is these very very same um, private security organizations or, or companies or contractors uh, that are being used by the by the U.S. military in Iraq. Uh, I think there's a figure of it was something something like twenty thousand uh, individuals employed by uh, who are being well paid fifteen to twenty thousand individuals who are from the soldiers or the, the the security contractors in Iraq who are being paid large sums of money to um, to essentially act act like the private armies or the, the that, that McGahn talks about. You they're know, getting experience. That well, we could be alarmist and say that they're cutting their teeth in Iraq, you know, because the fact is that um, if you look, there's there's some videos and there's, there's a lot of evidence, uh, written uh, reports from Iraq about the activities of these contractors, and there's some um, uh, video evidence as well of, of of what they of how they conduct themselves in Iraq, um, and. There's one notable video, uh, which is a collage of, uh, of days uh, in the lives of these security contractors, and they're driving along the streets of uh, the roads of, um, of, of Iraq, of the various cities, and uh, they have at least one or two guys watching out the back of their SUV as they're driving along, and if, um, if, if the guys decide that there's a car approaching them, is, is in any way suspicious or, you know, if it's just getting too close to them or if it's the only car on the road driving fast towards them, as cars kind of do, you know? They'll just open up, uh, fire on it, and uh, and kill kill the occupants, without establishing. No, they just drive on. They don't even yeah. stop. They just slow down and, and they open up on the car behind and they just they just wait until it kind of rolls off the road and into the ditch and then they, they drive on and they don't ask any questions and they don't care. And the thing is, people this would is say, American democracy. This is the liberation. Well, the, the important point is that people would tend to kind of uh, try to dilute the horror of that a little bit by saying, and you know, admittedly in an almost racist kind of way that these are American uh, citizens. Uh, and that it's easier for them to do that to Iraqis uh, because they're Iraqis because they're not Americans and that the chances of them doing that to American citizens are, are a lot less, for example. If they were employed at some stage in some uh, social crisis uh, in the U.S., that uh, all you would have to do if, if you were confronted by one of them would, say, would, would be to say, you know, hey, I'm an American citizen just like you, you know, don't hit me with that stick or don't, you know, don't shoot my, my friend, you know. But they would just, uh, I mean, what people don't understand is that these people don't care. I mean, they, they, it's, it's not about uh, Iraqis or Americans when it comes down to it because these people go to Iraq and, and they, uh, they don't have any, they know that the people that they're killing in Iraq are ordinary citizens. They don't hate them. You know, the fact is when you, when you have someone like that who's, who, who's able to just cold-bloodedly kill another human being, um, you can say that they're racist. There may be some racism, as in, you know, they may say, they may say to themselves, well, you know, damn ragheads or whatever. But that attitude, in a second, be turned around and, and, and turned into, you know, a d- damn, damn liberal or a, a damn lefty or a damn commie or a, a damn socialist or, or a, damn a, a damn Democrat or, a damn or Latino. Damn anything. It'll, it, it can turn around in a second. And those guys do not care because that's the type of human beings that they are. They just lack any kind of decency or any kind of a, conscience. A, a, soul or conscience, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and they're interested in their enormous six-figure salaries. Exactly, so. and they're going to do their job. 
And when they're sent out to patrol an area where they've been told there are some, there may be some trouble, well, then that's trouble, whether it's, whether it's in the form of an Iraqi man or an American citizen or whatever. They are inherently racist, uh, but in a very general sense against anybody that they can deem to be an enemy. And, you know, they, yeah. anybody can be an enemy, and it's just who, who their employers tell them that the enemy is. So, They're well-programmed I mean, robots. If they were ever on the streets of America... In a, in a kind of a conflict situation or social unrest situation, they would have no problem whatsoever in gunning down uh, ordinary yeah. American citizens. And for anybody to think that that would not be the case uh, is a big mistake. Again, let's even think that that would never happen. I mean, uh, it was uh, Papa Bush who first used mercenaries in the first Gulf War, and now we have George Jr. using them quite extensively in Iraq in Gulf War Two, and... And you know, bringing them home in Katrina, using them on the streets of New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, do we see a progression here? Mm-hmm. And this brings us into the last thing we wanted to kind of touch on this week, which is the recent demonstrations in France against the law that the de Villepin government tried to bring in. And as anyone who has seen the news would be aware, millions of French people took to the streets to contest this law. They did not take it lying down. They didn't roll over. They knew that they had to stand up and fight. And they did. And the government backed down. Well, the fact is, there's, you know, that was aided by uh, the fact that there's a, there's a long history of, um, of kind of social protest and, and social movements and people standing up for their rights in France that uh, doesn't exist in, in, in America, for example. But it's interesting to note that over the period of time that these kind of the, the, there was some violence, some kind of but but really only sporadic and in, in small small groups during the protests in France and, and in Paris and uh, the, the students in the universities had some altercations with the, with the police, but it was pretty limited. Um, largely, uh, it was peaceful, and there were in fact you know there were on certain days there were there were several million people uh, in the streets. As I said, the interesting thing is that in, in, the, in the press, in, in the American mainstream press, uh, the, the way this was reported was that there was no focus on, on, the, on the justice or the, the justification for, for these protests. Uh, all of the focus was on the fact that, you know, the French government um, was having a problem because of its kind of socialist orientation or its social welfare uh, system and that they had essentially let it go too far where essentially they, they, couldn't, they couldn't even pass a law anymore uh, without the, you know, the people kind of rising up and, and just... And, yes, and imagine was, that. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you know, the idea was that, you know, I mean, it, it, France was becoming ungovernable, you know, where, mm-hmm. where people... Government couldn't pass a law without... Uh, it, for, or, for example, if, if government tried to pass a law uh, and, and some people took a took exception to it that that uh, they could just stand up and say say no now this obviously doesn't uh, seem right to when 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 you're considering the american form of government because obviously you know your government's there and your government is elected by the people and your government will always do the right thing so there's never any need to to protest what your government's doing in america and it's coupled with the neoliberal arguments that the french state is out of date that it needs to be modernized to be able to catch up in this new global economy. Yeah. And, of course, what that means is that social services need to be cut and the money needs to be diverted to the corporations. Mm. And this is what the French people are aware of. Guns and, and mercenaries. Is, and they are refusing it. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the kind of, of whining going on in the Anglo-Saxon press about 
these French people and what they're doing to Europe. You know, a year ago they refused the neoliberal constitution, and now they're taking to the streets to refuse these absolutely necessary modernization measures that if they don't come in, then then all of Europe is going to be relegated to the, the dark ages again. Mm-hmm. And whereas in Canada when it happened, in the UK when it happened, in the United States, everybody's accepted it with, say, the exception of the British miners who yeah. fought like hell in, but in that the UK argument, against Thatcher. That argument is predicated on the idea that you know this would be a good thing. Yes. It would be a good thing to open up the, the French economy to, you know, to global corpora- corporations and uh, to, to globalization. Um, but, you know, all we have to do is just uh, repeat what we mentioned earlier on in our, in our show uh, about the fact that in America today, a uh, result of, of this style of, uh, of, of, of economy uh, um, is that you have uh, the CEO of, of, of ma- uh, major companies earning 2,000 times that of the average worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that's obviously a gross um, injustice and a, and a serious corruption. And it's not any sort of a society that can be sustained, and at some point it's going to have to explode. For more information, you can check out our website, www.signs-of-the-times.org. And also, don't forget to visit www.qfgpublishing.com to check out two of our new books we've released, uh, one of them on Falconelli by Patrick Riviere, and the other by Andrew Lobachevsky, entitled Political Ponerology, which is a study of evil adjusted for political purposes. And if you want to understand why the situation is even worse than you can possibly imagine, you need to read Lobachevsky's book. It's about psychopaths in power. And believe me, the psychopaths are in power in every country on the globe. And they know that they're different than you and me, and they're working to shut us out completely. Political Ponerology was written by Lobachevsky, who has first-hand experience of this pathocracy, as he calls it. So it's definitely a must-read. And we'll leave it at that this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.